I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Lisa Evers, official and verified. Now, in this episode, we're focusing on the life and legacy of one of the biggest hip-hop artists of all time, Christopher Wallace, better known as the Notorious B.I.G., or Biggie Smalls. He's ranked consistently as one of the greatest rappers of all time. His life and legacy persisting to this day, influencing artists of a new generation, even 20 years later. Now, while his murder remains an unsolved mystery, one of the biggest in hip hop, we're focusing on the man and his music and have a great panel to do this. Joining us, Miranda Johnson. She's a multimedia hip hop journalist, former digital producer for Double XL Magazine. Miranda, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Also with us is Lil C's. He's a hip hop artist, member of Junior Mafia, Biggie's best friend from back in the day. Thank you so much for being no with doubt, us, Cease. What's going on? Good to have you back. We really like appreciate likewise. it. Also with us, Hot 97's own uh, DJ Enough. He's also the Hot 97 Mix Show coordinator, the CEO of the Heavy Hitters, and he also DJed on tour with Biggie, so we got to know him really, really well. But Cees, I want to start with you, well. Biggie the man. What, as your, as your friend, what are the things that people don't really know about him? Uh, what people don't know about Big, probably his sense of humor, how funny he was. Mm -hmm. Enough could tell you that. Mm -hmm. Just being on the road, cracking jokes, and always bugging out, pranking, pranking on each other. You know, when we used to smoke weed, I used to hide from him and go lock myself <laughs> in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, just, for, uh, just to try to stay calm and stay normal. But he'll find a way to get in the bathroom and put matches. He used to put matches between our fingers and light them and leave the room. So by the time that match burned down to your skin, you woke up, you're in the room by yourself, you don't think you done tripped out and uh, got super high before. But he was just real funny, just real like, got a sense of humor, funny, always cracking jokes and chilling and uh, always looking out for his peoples too. That was one thing I, I know everybody noticed. Is that he always looked out for the people that were around enough? Just sure. give us a sense of what the, what the music scene, the hip hop scene was very different in the 1990s. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, it was boom bap, but I think uh, with the marriage of Big and Puff, you know, Puff got to put a little polish on Biggie. You know, Biggie came from from the the hood, from Brooklyn, and it was hardcore. You know, it was M.O.P. back in those days. It was uh, Wu, -Tang. Wu Tang, Smith and Wesson, and I remember him. He kept he always said, "I want to I want to make records like Snoop, you know, and Dre. Like he wanted that big clarity sound. So um, I think Puff and Puff and, and him got to do that, and I think um, as much as sometimes even like during the days I should be like, oh, we're not gonna polish him up, but that polish I think is what took him to the next level. Love. You know what I'm saying? And, and it really Mar did. Miranda, what about that? Because that was also an era for New York rap when it was very heavily lyric. It was about the lyrics. Right. It was about your spitting skills. It was about all of that, and not as much about the beat and the rhythm. But Biggie kind of merged the two. Absolutely. Um, the Notorious B.I.G. was a, a rap phenomenon. Mm -hmm. I mean, he literally taught people how to take that everyday life in the hood and make it, you know, luxury. He introduced them to a whole bunch of brands that they didn't know. Had everyone wearing Coogee. He just made like, you know, the the everyday um, hooded individual kind of, you know, just want more and aspire for more. So that that's kind of what Biggie was, you know, focusing on and kind of what he really had an impact on. Sees, is it true he went to Catholic school? Yeah. That's yeah, where he learned, yeah. his mom said that's where Miss Wallace said that, that's <laughs> where he learned to write so well. <laughs> like, so when you hear them rhymes and you hear him using these uh, these words, you would, because he was he was smart, he was sharp. He was in school, like Big was a nerd. He was a, he didn't come outside <laughs> for a that. while until like Love he was that. like 15, 16 years old. Really? Miss, yeah, Miss Wallace kept him away from Fulton Street. 
Because she was he very can't. strict. Yeah, and then once she got a little older, you know what I mean, and one of his friends, Chico, had took him around on Fulton Street. That it was, was over. It, it was me. over. <laughs> he came around, and, and that's also to Brooklyn when Brooklyn wasn't trendy. It was yeah. like Brooklyn was. Oh, no. Oh, Brooklyn was, man. And Ben Stuy was, was, was yeah. very Brooklyn rough. Brooklyn was bad. It was still bad to build. There was, there was no hipsters was in Brooklyn no, at that yeah. time. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> Sorry. It, it, it was just the homies. That was about it. You know what I mean? But it was real rough. It was a lot of poverty. It was a lot of stuff going on in there. And I think that's where he had that edge at being smart and being sharp and going to school and then getting the edge of going in them streets. Help balance him. That's why when you hear so he had the two things. So the people that don't really know him and don't know the history and they just see kind of what they call the gangster, this this thugged out type of image. That's not really who he was. He was raised by a very strict mother who was a school teacher. Right, right. The plan as well as strict. To this day, she's still strict. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, it's unfortunate that you you only get to see Biggie smile one time, and that's during the hypnotized video. Yeah. All the other videos, any footage, any documentation of any sort, there's nothing of him smiling like that big, beautiful smile. Right. And it's it's unfortunate, but we've yeah. got to see we that. We saw it all day. We, you know all the time, all the time, you know. And it's it's sad, you know, after the fact. But that that boy's smile was incredible and infectious, and I, I wish the world got to see more of that. Yeah, and sure. in terms of his, you talk about he was always looking out for other people. He was very conscious about that. Right. That was important to him. Tell us, yeah. tell us like, on he the He would road. give us his last dollar, right? Sometimes he'd have, you know, be, I, need, I need 40 bucks. And he'd be like, I only got 30. He, he, matter of fact, here, take it all. You know, he was always like that. Always. always giving. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, he put nine kids on from the neighborhood. You know, I wasn't a rapper at that time. I was. Just, he just one day was like, hey, I'm going to put this group together called Junior Mafia. Whoever don't write rhymes, I'm going to write the rhymes for them. And I'm gonna put the writers together, and he just sat there and just collaborated with us. That's and amazing. Put us on to get our own checks, to feed our own family. He didn't have to do that, but that was just already his plan. Once he got on and got successful, his whole thing was, you know what, I'm gonna share the wealth with my team. And that went from me to Enough to Lance Rivera doing our videos, right. movies you know, and stuff. He, yeah, he, he opened up pipelines for all of us to be successful, to succeed and feed our That's families. incredible. And Miranda, kind of unusual, compared, especially compared to what's going on today in so many places. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you definitely don't see someone just put on a few kids from the hood, especially ones that, you know, aren't already building a name for themselves. That That's something that, you know, that Biggie is, is remarkable for. Yeah, he created us. Like, you know, like one day we were sitting around listening to the records. We were like, who is Junior Mafia? He was like, man, that's y'all. Oh, okay. We didn't know that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, uh, so like, he kind of like, like just totally put it you... Was just, it was, that was just his plan. You know, whatever he was thinking of in his head, whatever moves he was trying to make, we was included. You know what I mean? Like just from, the, from day one. You know what I mean? When he went to the studio, going to do the little local shows before he blew up. Junior Mafia was there. All these, you know, they used to always be like, who's these little guys he'd be running around with? You know, we was 14, 15 years old. Right. But he, he was taking us off the streets. We didn't realize what he was doing at that time. But, but he had a plan, and he yeah. was like, this is my way of keeping you guys from getting caught up caught in up. that. Yeah, definitely. Is to bring you into that, is to bring you into that music. Uh, bring us into a whole other world. We didn't want to sit on the corner and hustle no more. We didn't want to sit there and break down Fort Street no more. Now we want to sit in the studio with him all day. <laughs> right. Now we want to travel, you know what I'm saying? We want to go to music. Jack the Rapper. We want to go I'm to gonna, be there. I'm going to be like, yo, what am I doing around all these little kids, man? What am I doing? <laughs> Doing. I used to be like, yo, these guys are crazy. Yeah, we used to come bang on the enough door. Yeah. Knock his door down, try to send girls to his room. Yeah, it was nuts. Like, hey, they're like, they like, said all these girls. I used to have, yo, I used to have, time, I used like, to have like eight to ten girls in my room. <laughs> they used to bring all these girls to the room. And I and I'd be like the preacher talking to them. So why so why y'all here? This one, this one has a singing career. This one wants to rap. This one just wants to meet Biggie. This one wants to meet anybody from Junior Mafia. And they came from all walks of life. 
life from all ethnicities, races. It was it was crazy. It was unbelievable. 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 It was unbelievable. Um, We're talking about the life and legacy of Notorious B.I.G. I'm Lisa Evers, your host for Street Soldiers. We'll be back right after this. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on the life and legacy of one of the biggest rappers of all time, Notorious B.I.G. And joining us for this discussion, Miranda Johnson. She's a multimedia hip-hop journalist and former digital producer for Double XL Magazine. Also, Lil C's. You know him as a member of the Junior Mafia. He's a hip-hop artist in his own right and also best friend of Biggie since way, way back in the way day. Back. C's, great to have you. Likewise. Miranda, great to yeah. have you, too. And DJ Enough, Hot 97 DJ. He's also Hot 97's mix show coordinator. He's the CEO of the Heavy Hitters, and he's also uh, DJed on tour with Biggie, so he got to know him very, very well when they were on the road. Let's talk about what happened, you know, 20 years ago. How did, I remember where I was and how I got that phone call when, on March 9th, 1997, mm-hmm. that this this had happened and the word spread and we all rushed down to Hot 97, to the station, to just deal with it and find out what was going on, because mm-hmm. there was no social media in 1997 no, like that, nah. so you had to really go in person and just right. show up, but enough, where were you when For that me, happened? For me, I was home sleeping. My brother-in-law at the time, uh, Will, woke me up and was like, yo, turn on the radio, man. Um, I think your man got killed, and, and he, he didn't want to tell me, and I was like, what? Um, and I didn't get a I didn't get a, a call from Season Kim yet. It was it was before that, and I was just I was lost and I broke down, started crying, and then about ten minutes later, uh, I spoke to was it Rock? It was Rock, uh-huh. you and Little Kim at the same time, and they were yo at the hospital, and they called me and we, we were just screaming at the top of our lungs and we can't believe it, our guy is lost and I we, I was just stuck. It, the crazy part is. I don't even remember asking them what happened. You know how usually right. you ask somebody, well, what happened? Right. We didn't even ask what happened, because in my mind, and I, I told Caesar about this yesterday, I had this pre-notion like this guy was gonna pass away. You did? I did, I was telling D-Rock before he, I said, I said, just watch our boy, man. Because you know, look, listen, let's be honest. During it was that very time, tense. During that time, it was very tense. We got a lot of- um, A lot of violence. A lot of threatened, uh, what's, what's those called? Death threats. Crank Death calls. threats, crank yeah. calls. All that stuff was real. And for me, you know, you know, if Big and Puff and everybody wanted to go celebrate and do the album, you know, they still should have been allowed to do that. But I just had this feeling it was gonna happen. And when it happened, it just broke my heart. And season, this was against the backdrop of a, of a time where the, the East Coast, West Coast beef was at its highest. Yeah. You didn't have rappers traveling around to other cities and other regions right. like you do today. You you were there, you were in Los Angeles. Tell, yeah. tell us what, what your experience was. was. in the car. Uh, I was in the car with him. So right. uh, I was uh, in the seat behind him. And uh, you know, you didn't see it coming. We didn't expect it. You know, we was out there for uh, almost two months just doing promo. He was uh, he was working on Puff album. He was helping Puff with some of his records for his album. And we opposed it went to London, I think two days before that. But they was trying to send just me and him there. He was just like, yo, I'm not, who gonna do my flights and tickets and hotels? Lil C's? Like, come right, on, like, right. I'm not gonna do that. And he's like, yo, I'll do anything to not go. And we were just like, Puff was like, all right, well, you wanna work? He was like, yeah, I work. So we kind of just sat back and we just, he was just finishing up. He did the Benjamins, uh, right. he did the Benjamins remix. He did right. that verse and he did uh, the Victory verse. Right. For Puff album, and then we he just wanted to go out and hang out one day. And I, to this day, I wish I would have just told him no, because he asked me and D Rock like, 
Yo, what's up? Y'all want to roll out tonight? And we were just like, Yo, you, you, you big papa. It's, it's, we out here with you. What you but wasn't do? that the, the awards? It was the awards, yeah, and then yeah, they broke, and there were like thousands awards. of people, yeah, so Soul Train weekend. Awards. Yeah, it was that weekend, and um, I think we were sitting in front of, uh, Andre Harrell had a party at this, uh, at this mansion out there in the hills. And Big was like, you know, I ain't been out in a few days. Let's go have some drinks and go chill. And we wound up going to the uh, the, uh, the museum, museum, to the vibe party. Mm -hmm. Which right, which is where they had the party. Yeah. And then they left, and then you guys left. Yep, we left, and uh, after, and it wasn't no problems either. Like they played hypnotized in there like ten times. Everybody was showing love, going crazy, and the we movie. didn't get no threats. It wasn't nobody throwing up no West Side at us. It was just really just totally cool. Nothing happened until we walked outside and got in that truck and stopped at that red light, and that car just pulled up out of nowhere and just started firing shots in our truck. To the side of the truck? Yeah, we was in the middle lane. It was like three lanes. And once we pulled out the, uh, from under the parking lot, we got caught at that light right there. So whoever must have came must have got, got through that traffic from everybody pulling out the parking lot. And he just rolled up on the side of us, didn't say nothing, didn't yell nothing, just came and just started firing in the door, in Biggie door. I was right behind him. I jumped out, touching myself, thinking I got shot. Because I, right, I was literally right behind him. He was in the passenger seat, and I was in the back seat behind him. So there was nothing like at the party, like you said. There was nobody throwing up a set sign. Nah. Nobody, nobody, you know, looking at you sideways totally, or totally smooth. I mean, you know, we was out there for two months, so we used to get little, we used to get little people like you know, little jesters throwing west side. We went to the mall and stuff like that. But it was real light stuff, you right? Know what I'm saying? You know, and Big just wanted to be there. You know, everybody was like, why he was out there. That was Big calling. He wanted to go there. He wanted big to be there. Cali. He enjoyed it. You know, Big what Love Cali. And we was moving around. One like we just stayed in places. Like we was, we was all over. We was hanging out. We was going to eat. We was going to clubs. He was hanging out. We was kicking it with Daz. We was kicking it with Corrupt. We would go see Snoop every now and then. Like we was out there actually hanging out. He was working too, promoting the Life After Death album and promoting the single. So. So you, you were part of the lifestyle and enjoying the lifestyle. It wasn't like you were holed up in the studio or in a hotel room the yeah, whole time. Yeah, nah, nah. We was out there. You know, we was out there having the ball, having fun. We was flying to Frisco to, to the Bay, going to do the stations out there, doing promo. Right. You know, back in them days, we were still doing meet and greets. You know, you're going right. to stores <laughs> right. and, and sign was no, you, you know had to do saying? real. Like, yeah. You had to do you real had to, really to promote an album. You couldn't just. It wasn't just putting something no, on Instagram no. or Snapchat. We didn't have that. You had to go in person. It, it had to be manually. You know, right. nowadays kids have a lot of advantage to. To this day, they to the digital drop thing. video right off their phone. Right, they but they're everything, right and it, it was everything was very personal, and yeah. I think that added a lot to the the tensions that were there. But when you after you jumped out of that truck and you heard those gunshots, then what happened? And then we went back. We we went to the back of the truck just for a minute just to cover, and then we realized big door didn't open, and we all ran back to the car, and he was just like leaning over the console of the seat, just with his eyes just like wide open, like just like just with that shock look, like he couldn't believe what happened. And he didn't yell, he didn't say nothing. There was no words from him. And we all just jumped back in the truck and Puff got in our car and we just drove to the hospital. Just so just completely lights. out of nowhere? Yeah, just out of nowhere. We didn't see that coming. You know what I mean? We didn't think it was gonna happen. But a few people were seeing things from around there. You know, D-Rock, they were seeing certain people just moving around the parking lot that was just like real suspect. But you're not thinking nothing. You're not thinking that's the, that's the last thing you're thinking about. All right, somebody about to shoot at our truck as soon as we get out this parking lot. You right, know, and you, all, and you always mind. have people, anytime there's a big event and there's celebrities, you always right. have people kind of like yeah, trying to catch a glimpse they, and yeah, they take just a look the at them. Down. You know, they just shut it down because it was too crowded. So it, it, it was a bunch of Muslim security, it's regular security, it's the police, it's the fire department. That's the last thing you're thinking. It's like, I'm, I'm about to walk out of here. My homeboy truck is about to get shot up. He's about to die. Like That was just like totally off, off the blue. We didn't, we didn't see that coming at all. And to this day, to this day, nobody's been arrested for that murder. Nah. There have been all kinds of different theories and investigations and things like that. But does that bother you as his friend, as somebody that just was so close to him? Of course. Of course. You know, I, I want that justice for his moms. You know what I'm saying? Miss Wallace, she, that was her only son. 
Right. And she's been fighting for that justice to this day. You know what I mean? Like she she wants she she wants somebody responsible for that. She wants them to, you know, she she wants some justice from that. And that's all I'm fighting for. Anytime she need me or need me to stand up for that, I'm gonna do that. That was her only son and you know, I feel her pain from that. So of course it hurt me. That was my best friend. Right. You know, I want my boy to be resting. You know what I mean? I want him to rest well. So and re rest in peace. Yeah, for sure. De definitely. Miranda, in, ter in terms of when this happened, there were other other beefs that had been going on. It was a time of extreme tension in hip hop and it wasn't just a thing where people could get off on Twitter, you know, or or with it was the battle rap was it was beyond that. Things were happening in the streets. Tell us about that. Um, that this was a time when hip hop beef was really intense. I feel like this was um, the East Coast versus West Coast beef was a time that people really learned a lot about hip hop beef and where to take it and the limits to take it to. Because um, you know beef nowadays kind of is a little more safer um, than what it was at that time. Uh, so yeah. I feel like hip hop learned a lot and, and we're now moving forward. You know, it's still a competitive sport. Right. As, as we see with Nicki and Remy, you know, but at the end of the day, we now know what barriers we have to, you know, put in, in place if we're going to, you know, continue to keep it. That's a sport. the example we use now for it, you know. When you see people battling now or going <clears> through <throat> stuff now, that's the first thing we say. Don't let it get to that big impact. Don't let it get to don't let it get <laughs> you know to a I mean? real thing in the streets. That, that's something to learn from, and they was really trying to get away from the beef. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you know. No, he was re yeah, really. He wasn't feeding into that. You know, you didn't hear no diss records from Big going back at Pac. He was really just trying to stray away from it. Right. He didn't want that type of drama because he knew that's something that he could have fixed. You know what I mean? Like he really knew Pac was his friend deep down in his heart. He was just like, you know, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna wait till I see him because we're gonna meet one day and we're gonna always say we're that. gonna sit down yeah. and talk. And it, 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 it was gonna get situated. It's just that. It, it, it just didn't they happen. Never, he never had that chance. Nah. And you th and you think he could have just resolved everything with, yeah. with, with Pac? Yeah, I talked to the Outlaws after that, you know, and um, you know, I'd kick it with Young Noble, shout out to the Outlaws, and uh, they was telling me, like, right before that Vegas trip, like, before Pac passed, he was already talking about when he get back to L.A., he, like, I'm a dead that situation big. Like, you know, he was really starting to really get over that, and like, you know what? I know what's really going on. He kind of knew what happened with the situation. He was going to try to fix that with Big, and just so happened right before he left Vegas, he got killed. So B was really focused when when all this came to this tragic end in terms of his life. That was he was like really really focused making moves and transitioning into something Just new. Just had a son, you know what I mean. So he was really getting into that fatherhood. You know, you can right. even look at his photos from 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 that past. He started putting on the suit, the hat, and you listen to Life After Death. You can hear the content changing of him mm -hmm. just maturing and just wanting up, to yeah. do more and get better. Sky's the limit. You start listening to all these other records. like Right. And it's, and, and it's so weird the way the way he said he thought something was going to happen to Big. You listen to that Life of the Death album, it's kind of like Eerie. he knew it too. You it know just gives me chills. To, yeah. Just the title, just the, the album cover, him sitting on the tombstone and just that airy shot. Like Even after that, I, I couldn't even look at that I couldn't even look at that album cover like when it dropped after that for like almost a year. Like, get that away from me. Just your nobody to somebody kill you. Pray for my downfall. These titles. Yeah. Somebody like too many die. things. Going back to Cali. He got killed in Cali. It was just all yeah, these things. I'm crazy. just like, yo. Just yeah. too many coincidences. Like, it's like, what did he know? You know what I'm saying? Like, what he felt. But the same thing with Pop. The Machiavelli album. Yeah. You know, like, right. I ain't mad at you. He shot a video from heaven. Like, yeah, he, all this stuff right. is just like really weird. And they died six months apart, both Gemini's. It's just really scary. Like, I don't even want to rhyme about real stuff no more. I'm like, yeah, because you know, it seems like you could bring that type of stuff into existence. That's how scary that Like was. the energy, or else they were pick it, picking up the on energy, something. Yeah. The energy, sure. but that, or, or the energy was so much around them that they were. This, yeah. is, this is what they were expressing. And through, they were so cool art. and mellow at that time. Like, that wasn't big attitude. That wasn't right. his mood. Like, he was just so chilling and cool and just. I'm all about my kids. Like, he saw his kid, like, him and Faith was going through it at that time. And I remember I was going to the airport so he could see his son because he didn't want Faith to know where he was staying at. 
but that was just the things he was doing. Like but he was still making get, the effort to see his son, even his with everything son, going on. He was on, just really just CJ. trying to put things in perspective with his whole crew, with his team, his family. It's like around that time, that's when he passed away. Oh, wow. All right, this is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the life and legacy of Notorious V.I.G. We'll be right back. New York City, it's Miguel, and you're tuning into the Street, Street Soldiers with Lisa, Lisa Evers. Real people, real issues, and real politics. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're focusing on the life and legacy of one of the greatest rappers of all time, Notorious B.I.G. Joining us for this discussion, Miranda Johnson. She's a multimedia hip-hop journalist and former digital producer for Double XL Magazine. You've probably seen her reports on TV or read her stories. Miranda, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Also with us is Lil C's. You know him as a member of the Junior Mafia, Biggie's best friend, and also a hip pop artist sees thank you so much for being with us yeah, anytime. we really appreciate it also with us dj enough hot 97's own dj and mix show coordinator ceo of the heavy hitters and he also toured he was biggie's tour dj i want to talk about some of the myths that i've heard about biggie and and will t- tell me if they're true there's a whole thing you know that with the, the rappers from that era everybody had kind of like the notebook and they were writing in the notebook and people would pull out their notebooks and like i write my own lyrics and right. here they are and right. this, is, this is what they are but people see would say that biggie would just you know get a little lift on and then he would just freestyle <laughs> and get, get a couple beats and then yeah. go at it that's true. is that's that it. true that's yes that's very true in the beginning uh he wrote it was some it was some rhymes on paper from uh ready to die like, I remember seeing Warning on paper, you know what I mean? But by the time he got to Life After Death and The End of Ready to Die, no more pen and paper. He would just write it all in his head. We would sit in the studio, and you'd just think he's not working. We'd all be in there smoking and drinking, and the, the beat would be loud for about two hours. And he'd just get up and go, all right, I'm ready, and do three verses, ad-libs, hook. Yo, he would do this nasty sh- He would, I'm going to talk. his nose. Um, yo, he would do, like, some... <laughs> And then he would do something with his ear. <laughs> and I'd be like, what is he doing? But, but right, he did yeah. that. He so did some that. weird, like, like. Like he cleaned something. And then, like, and like, then all of a sudden, he'd be ready. And I'd be like. Like turning on a machine or a computer. Like, yeah. what, what was that? There's no rhymes. There's no rhymes on paper of Life After Death, that album. No he just did it all out of his head. Miranda, is that unusual? Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely unusual. There's so many rappers today that when you put them on the spot, they can't even freestyle. Um, I just know, just from participating in Double XL Freshman, that when they do the freestyles there, a lot of the rappers come with them already written, so mm. they're not kind of freestyles. Yeah. So for him to freestyle a whole album, that is remarkable. Right. And with the hooks and everything yeah. already and just, played. Yeah, and it was memory, too. He would just lock it in. Like, he would sit there for two, three hours. But you would just think he's just, like, not doing nothing. You're just like, all right. Well, yeah, he's just chilling. Yeah, but I could see it because it's, like, almost like if you're an actor or actress, right, you have to remember those lines if you're uh, yeah. performing at a, a play or if you're doing uh, lines for a movie. So maybe he was just doing that same kind of technique in his in his brain while the, while the beats Because he playing. would have it set up. It would already be, like, set in his head. Like, when you hear it, you just know, like, all right, he, he already had that in there. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. But he just memorized it. He would just go in there and just, mm-hmm. and, and just lay it down. It, but it, he would have it all structured together. Like, it's already already the like this, with, Right, the because hook, it sounds like so organized. And, yeah. And, but what about what about the the storytelling aspect of it, Miranda, in terms of his his lyrics and, and the impact that that's had on rap? Biggie was one of the greatest storytellers hip hop has ever seen. Uh, you find so many of his lyrics in songs today. Like if you just take Juicy alone, I can name over. 
30 different songs that rappers have pulled lines from Juicy yeah. and, and put it in their That's own crazy. song. That's you crazy. Have, uh, uh, Little Wayne and Birdman's Like Father Like Son, um, the, the Game's Dreams. There's so many songs that, that pull from Biggie. And then uh, just his storytelling kind of just setting the scene of someone growing up in the hood and then, you know, becoming a superstar. That kind of, you know, it... it, it it made people in the hood have self-affirmation, you know, the want more and, and think the sky's the limit, you know? And see, what about his authenticity? Because it's like, you know, we're in a day and age where they tell rappers, okay, you know, you want to be a successful artist, you got to get buff, you got to, you know, you got to get out there, you have to have a certain look, get a trainer, get the Versace, uh, get all this stuff, but he, he was who he was. He, 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 he broke all those components. Like, none of that, none of that was valid for him, you know what <laughs> I mean? Because it was all about music for him. Big blew up straight up just off the music. You, know, mm -hmm. you couldn't deny what he was doing. And he was a he was a fan of music. Right? That's why he was so dope. We listened we listened to a ganger artist like like, you know, like what kind of artist were we you guys listening to? Around that time, uh, LL had the uh, Mama Said Knock You Out album. Oh, it was yeah. N.W.A. for Life album. Yeah. Chuck Rock was out at that time. You had yeah. Tribe. Like we was listening to everything. Ice Cube just went solo when yeah. he did the. Um, mm -hmm. He was uh, doing America's Most Wanted. So, you know, we was we was listening to that, the Chronic album. We was all in tune to with everything that was going on. Like, any album came out, we went to B Street downtown. We bought albums. Yep. We would sit, walk around with a big radio, and we were sitting on top of the garbage can on Fulton Street. <laughs> and we would break day out there while we hustling, but we would listen to other people's music. So big, that's where you get all the storytelling from because he, he listened to Slick Rick. You know what I'm saying? Like, we will listen he to people. Slick Rick so, too. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he loved Kane, you know, with the yeah. metaphors and the flows. Like, he did his homework. So, I think that's what made him dope because he, he knew how to be an artist because he did his homework. He did his homework and, and added it, his flavor to it. And then, what about the beats and in terms of the music for him? I think the, um, the music, I mean, he was lucky uh, to, to have some great, great producers from Easy Moby yeah. to DJ Premier to Puff himself. All of the hitmen, um, Stevie J, um, but I, you know, it's weird when when I was first starting to DJ, your parents weren't supposed to like hip hop. That's how you knew it was cool. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm being honest. This is what it right, was. Right, right. If your parents didn't like the song, then it was like, yeah, this is it. But Big changed that. Like Big was the guy who the kids loved it, but then the old heads loved it too. And, and I think that was something that hasn't been done in a long time. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I give it to him because it's like, it was the first time like, yo, mom, you like this? And she's like, yeah, that's my old jam right there. That's the Osley <laughs> brother. <laughs> she goes, what, what's this guy's name? I said, that's Biggie Smalls. She goes, oh, I like Biggie. So you feel what I'm saying? Like be, yes. be, prior to that, yeah. it wasn't cool. You know, yeah. for our parents to to like hip hop. Yeah, grandma you, wasn't blasting cream in the crib. No, right. Yeah. <laughs> but she would blast Big Papa. You know what I mean? Right. It, was, it was radio friendly. It was yeah. The radio, the clean version. He knew how to structure those records. It wasn't too many curses. It was very smooth. It was very clean. And it sounded like the Ready to Die song. And it sounded like suicidal thoughts. It sounded like something that's supposed to be on the radio. And then back right. in those, and back in that time too, everybody was. We just came off the era of the everybody was you know tongue twisting and rap fast and you know how many syllables can I get in this one in this one frame one of bar, right yeah it's crazy so you know he opened it up again he relaxed he got cool and he laid it down you know if you listen uh, to I think only the bone thugs record is the uh, one record he went crazy death, on but yeah. everything else was just in pocket nice and smooth and the lyrics were simple enough for you to remember and then recite back later 
you know? Yeah, yeah it wasn't some complicated no, spitting it wasn't where like, you just had to really be like, He wasn't oh my spitting God. that metabol metabolical flow, you know, da 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 da, da. <laughs> He wasn't doing none of that. You know, like, that, I love it when you call me Big, Big Pop. You know, come on, that's simple. That's exactly, easy. exactly. Miranda, what about that? Like the the, I mean, they were automatic hooks. Like every line was almost an automatic hook. Yeah, he was he was so suave in his raps, and that's kind of what attracted the masses. They um and, they, the, and the girls, yeah. and the girls <laughs> especially, um and they just kind of like he had people wearing different types of brands and different types of things that they didn't think of. Like instead of the boom bap street rap that we were getting, he was having us thinking about like buying some Versace, you know, Ooh, let me get this Gucci, you know, it, it was right. a different time. Yeah. yeah, and he really was. I think he, I mean, oh, he, he really was one of the up. first with oh, like he, the luxury he, stuff. Yeah. Oh, he right? dressed the hood up. I think that's what changed. Dress the game was, up. <laughs> yeah, the game was very like hardcore. It was real like it was real Wu Tangish out. Like we you know we was hardcore. Tim's champion the hoodies. The stiff, the stiff baggy out. jeans. Yeah. Then we right. Hoodies. We got around Puff, and I think that's what Puff did. That was that marriage him and Puff had. Puff showed them the other side. Like all right, you could do that, do that. But you want to get to this next level? Let's go do this here. And, and here's what the good life looks top like: hats, the suits, and we start throwing on shoes, and we performing remember, on stage. Remember, he used to take a shopping. Yeah, we used to go. He used to take me shopping with my budget money here, dog. I'm taking two thousand of that. I'm gonna go get you some icebergs. What Biggie would? Biggie did. Suits. Yeah, oh, he would take a shopping. Yeah. Like, like, a, like what? Like I would have on like some regular jeans and some Tims, <laughs> and he was like, "Come on, Playboy, we're not doing that." I'm like, "Why not?" He's like. We going to Detroit. That's the town of the player players. Yeah, we need some gators. We need you know some gators. I'm like, but I ain't got no money gators. for no gators. I'm like, I got no money for no gators. You but know. he just like, you know what? We're going to put this silk shirt on you. And I don't know what brand it was, but it was silk. <laughs> it was beautiful. Might give you a hat or something. <laughs> a nice pair of jeans. That's but crazy. That's what, what he would do. What about? Because we had to look the part. <laughs> of yeah. course. No, he totally changed that because yeah. it was like a real tough, yeah. like street hustle, made. Yeah, street we just, hustle We look. had custom made jerseys with our name on them. Yeah, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Leather jerseys. And that was what he was creating. Like, you know, he, he had this vision. He had this look of... What he wanted to represent, how he wanted his crew to be. So well, you know, he, he put the Kuji sweater on the Kuji sweaters on the map. I see Ooh. a little bit making a Kango, comeback right now. We had now. the Kangos, the, the Versace's. Like he made a look for right. hip hop. Now we we go do the tunnel, we do the Palladium. Everybody looked like how big look at the club. You right. know, they got Kuji sweaters on. They got their Versace's <laughs> on. They on Moschino. We got Iceberg. That was everything that he brought to the table. He just brought the fashion to it. He made people go out there, spend their money, enjoy yourself, have fun, and don't feel nowhere about it. You ain't got to be hood all the time. Dress up. Be mature. Go exactly. out there, sit with your mom somewhere, have in a ceremony, fun. and throw your suit on, <laughs> throw your tux on, and have some. You know, he he was really like that. You know, what yeah. I mean, that, that's who he was. You know, what I mean, he was real close with his moms, and he totally. had to dress up like that before, so he knew the lingo. He knew what he had to do. You he know, knew, what I mean, we just followed suit with him because. He was Big Papa. He was the boss. Oh, that's awesome. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers. We're talking about the life and legacy of Notorious B.I.G. We'll be back right after this. What up? This is Trey Songz, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people, only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. What we're focusing on in this episode, one of the greatest rappers and hip-hop artists of all time, Notorious B.I.G. Joining us for a discussion, Miranda Johnson. She's a multimedia hip-hop journalist, former digital producer for Double XL Magazine, and I'm sure you've seen her on some of the cable outlets doing reports on hip-hop topics. Miranda, thanks so much for being with us. Yes, my pleasure. We really appreciate it. Also with us, the one and only Lil C's. He's a member of the Junior Mafia, best friend of Biggie, and a hip-hop artist. C's, great to have I you. I appreciate you, Lisa. Thank you. 
Great to have you. Also with us, Hot 97's own DJ, DJ Enough. He's also Hot 97's mix show coordinator and the CEO of the Heavy Hitters. Now, everybody knows he was DJ for Biggie when he was on tour, but, you know, we're kind of like twisting Enough's arm here. Producer. And he's, you know, very humbly not telling us about all the songs he produced for Biggie, the, <laughs> the Pepsi commercial, the Get Money remix, <laughs> You're Nobody Till Somebody, somebody Kills You. Kills you. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And and just an, it's such an integral part of his career. So yeah. it's great to, great to no, have you on the show. Anything for you and Big. No, anything. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you so much. The seas in terms in terms of the music you're making your music today. Tell us what's going on with that. Oh, I got a project coming out. It's uh, called The Heart of the City. It'll yeah, be out in, it'll be out in April. Featuring who, son? Uh, New single. A, I got a, the first single is called Winners, featuring me and Jada Kiss and this artist named Dice Payne that signed the D Block. So that's going to drop. I might drop it on March 9th, The first single. All yeah. right. Yeah, I might give it to you now so he can blast let's off. Let's go, baby. Night. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let me know. And the whole project could be out in um the whole project could be out in uh, in April. So it's a whole album, like 13, 14 songs. That's fantastic. Uh, I got some cool features on there. So and you're going overseas go. too. Yeah, I'm going overseas for this uh, Biggie anniversary. This is the first time we're going to take Biggie anniversary overseas because we always do something for him on March 9th, May 21st out here in right, New York. Right, here in New York, here, yeah. You know, for me and Mr. C. We always go through these big events. So I now be doing it with his kids, but me and Mr. C going to go overseas to. Uh, March, I go to France, March 10th, and then from there I go to Italy. That's uh, fantastic. Two dates in Germany, so we're going to go you know, show some love. I think it's a great idea. I think it's like, a great idea. That's awesome. Because Big was real big. You know, he had a real big impact over the overseas. So, you know, now I'm always online and always on social media. They always be like, yo, we want to you know, bring that Biggie tribute overseas. So And people yeah, want to come and support and show, show and, just, yeah. and show love, Definitely. which is so fantastic. Miranda, what do you think it is about his music that – do you, do you see the influence as you look at like the new generation of rappers that are really just starting to bubble now? Do you do you see an influence from him on them? Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, with this year's Double um, XL freshman class, Biggie was a huge topic. Um, in Davies's uh, freshman freestyle, he even spits um, mentioning Biggie and and the album, you know, Life After Death, and how like you know it influenced him. And it, it kind of shows you how the newbies. Um, and you know the, the freshman class of hip hop is still influenced by Biggie, and they're still running through his catalog, you know, to build momentum onto what they've got going on. Um, and then you know, just even with um, Kodak Black, he had the Little Big Pop mixtape. I mean, to me, that wasn't the best way to pay homage, but it just shows you he's saying I'm better than Biggie and Pac, and that's showing you who the person is to beat 20 years after his death. Wow. Big, yeah. That's Which true. is incredible. Like that's true. Yeah. That's a that's a great way. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. To, to look at it like that. And then in, ter in terms of the sound, also too, it's like you can aside from the production, because sometimes the production production values have, you know, evolved and yeah. and become so much more enhanced with all the digital stuff. But it's like the songs you can you hear the songs today. They could play next to a, a song that was just created last year and still sound current. Yeah, yeah it, sometimes it sounds like they they have studied Biggie's work and then they're just spitting it, you know, with their own flow. At times, you know. That's like the school, you know. You, for new artists, Big is like the school of it. You know, you got to you got to go through that. 100%. You got to you got to do your homework. Right. Mm -hmm. To be a successful artist, get you your GED to, by yeah, listening to Big. You got to go study this. If you want to be a successful artist, you want to be a dope rapper. You got to go study that. That's somebody you have to listen to. A Tupac, a pun. You got to you got to go do your homework. You got to get educated. Other than that, you will not survive. They they're gonna teach you how to put the music the right way. You know? what, what about what about his his influences too? Enough like when you guys were on tour, he I, I'm I'm always amazed that some of the slang. Like I hear some of the slang that he used like 20 <laughs> years ago, and it's like people are still using 
the, the, that slang is still coming up in current hip hop lyrics. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, did he re did he read stuff? Did he watch the news? Did he he listen to other people? I mean, what was go you know? How did he absorb? We were all just this talking stuff? about the, that that yesterday. Um, how he was a sponge. You know, he used to watch TV shows and commercials and you know anything that was just interesting to him. It was amazing how he flipped it and made it his. You know, so. We, we talked like about jokes. So like we was, we would be having a conversation, and I may say something, and Big would be sitting there like, oh, "Okay," and then you would hear a rhyme the next day, and you would hear what you said in this rhyme. And, yeah, that, like, like just that like, simple. Yo, don't wow. you listening? You you heard that? Like things he would catch, he absorbed everything that was around him. Uh, around him. So if you're just a funny dude and you saying this little slick stuff, and he'd be sitting there like, okay, like I I didn't know something yesterday. I learned something yesterday from Mr. C. Right. So the record I produced, you're nobody. He said. Um, it was watching a commercial and it was like Frank Sinatra's greatest hits, including your nobody, you know. So And that's what Big he got took, that hook. He from. took some of that hook from Frank Sinatra that's crazy. and put it into the song. Like that's that's amazing. That's like, witty. Like and to and to take from from a different genre yeah, exactly. when there was no iTunes, exactly. when there was no you weren't ex no. we weren't exposed to so you many different types of music. Nothing. You just right? had, you just happen to see it. You know, if you were sitting there watching TV, or if you sitting yeah. around you chilling, or, or a hater, all that, or you sitting around <laughs> just hanging out, or we in the car listening to music. We just always was thinking. He always just was thinking about ideas. He always just catches stuff. So you always had to be careful what you say because you go ahead in the rhyme, or if you do something, <laughs> or if you do something around big, he's gonna mention it in a rhyme. Like right. if it was something funny, or if it's something crazy or something you did, you just know like, all right, it's a possible chance that he gonna he gonna put this in one of his. That's rides. that's, um, that's unbelievable. Ripple be to little C's cripple me like your fan. Why would you say that? Yeah. Right. Like yeah, we did get into a car accident. Yeah, I was driving. Yeah, you did mess up your leg, <laughs> but why would you blow me like that? Like why would you do that? <laughs> that, but, that was the Land Cruiser. Yeah, the yeah. Lexus Land or something. We, we crashed a car from a. It was a dealership. We our car wouldn't work. <laughs> it was a champagne. And they gave us a loan. This car. It was a luminous van. Oh. And we big was like, you know what? Forget the Lexus. Let's ride in this. Let's be oh, low key for a minute. Okay. And we was driving around this little uh, looking turn like the family the van. Yeah, yeah. We was in the van. straight room in the van, minivan. We know we straight we, we, we took a children's Lexus van. In. I was like, yo, they should give us a Lexus. He was like, nah, let's just ride in this. Let's be low key for a while. You know what? Let's ride in this bucket for a little bit. And we didn't even make it out the parking lot. I already <laughs> crashed the whip. And it was horrible. Yeah, so throw the C's. Then I hear a song. We talking about I was throw the keys to little C's. To little C's crippled me. Like, yo, fam. I had to take that one. You got to sit there and go, oh, man. Dog, you don't really put that in the rhyme. But that's just how he was. He soaked everything in. You just... That's just how dope he was. Just to put it together and still make it sound dope. It's and like, and right. constant and constantly take it like like a, a, any artist, like yeah. a really great artist. That's right. Great artists together. do that. They do it with acting. They do it with with all forms of creation. Yeah. You know, is, is to take is to take it like that. Yeah. I didn't take it no way. You know, I I, I think I get more love from getting shout outs from Big than being a part of Junior Mafia. I think they know me more from hearing my name in his records than the Junior Mafia project. I was only on two songs on the Junior Mafia album. But you probably heard my name in probably like 20, 30 Biggie songs. That's crazy. <laughs> like, That's crazy. You know, I think I got more of my fame just from him showing me love and just digging me up. And that was just because we always was together. So, you know, you hear my name in his rhymes, it's, we always smoking, you're drinking, you're driving. That's what we. That's basically what we did, you know what I mean? So he was really just putting down what was actually really right. going on around him. So see, when you when you guys were in when you guys were in Cali in, yeah. in 1997. So you, he's he's like in his mid 20s. Yeah. You, you you were how old at that point? I was a uh, I was 17. 17. Yeah. I was turning 18 that August. Right. He passed away in March. I'd have been 18 that August. And then what was he, th was he thinking ahead to the future? Did he have a, because you said you were in Cali and he really liked the California lifestyle yeah. and the sound and 
was just and he kind of had no no barriers with working with other people too. You were you were saying with a lot oh, of yeah, West Coast yeah, he rappers. Was to, he was open to work with anybody. Him and Snoop was real tight. He 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 always wanted to do something with Snoop. He wanted to get some production from Dre. Like Daz was already producing some records for Big. Around that time we was out there. The first day we got to L.A., Daz was in the studio with Puff. And you know we sat in the room with him. Big was like, "Yo, give me some drunk." Cause Dad's really producing a lot of stuff at that time for Tupac album. He was he was he was starting to get into the producing wave. So Big was trying to get some production from Dad's at that time. But Big was willing to work with anybody. He was a fan of the he was a fan of music. So anybody that was dope, he was just like I, he he wanted to collaborate. He wanted to do records with him. He was gonna sign Nori. Like yeah, you he said. was gonna sign Nori. He was gonna sign Cam. Like he was really trying to get into that executive uh, that executive position. He wanted to get behind the chair. Charlie Baltimore. Charlie Baltimore. Jay Z. Commission. commission. You know, Big was really trying to get into that wave. You know, being around Puff influenced him to like, you know what? I'm gonna get my own team. I'm not bringing my artists to Puff. Oh, like, cause it opened his artists. Yeah, right. I'm gonna go do my own thing. No, he's not getting Junior Mafia. Junior Mafia is gonna be my project. And that's for just from him just learning everything, soaking everything in from Puff, seeing what Puff was doing with him, Craig Mack, and the whole bad boy. He wanted to go start his own little empire, and he was going. He was about to make it happen. Restaurants, so, clothing company. Yeah, the Big Papa. He was going to do a Big Papa's restaurant. Yeah, that was something he was working on. He had the Brooklyn Men at that time, so he was already doing the stuff that you see artists doing now. He was already on it. And that's he, incredible. And he wanted to do a high-end, um, big and tall store. Yeah, because he couldn't. Yeah, like a high clothes, end, it was hard. It was hard for us. He couldn't get clothes. Get clothes. clothes. Yeah, yeah right. it was hard. You know, no, that, he used to shop incredible. at Big and Tall's. That's where you had to go get yeah. them clothes for. And they were pretty. It was pretty bad. It was pretty basic. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. He really got to go. Pretty, like you know what, y'all take me to Big and Tall's. But to be thinking about that, Miranda, to be thinking about that at that time, now we take it for granted because everybody's got like a liquor line, they got a clothing line, they have this or that, you know, chicken wing shops or whatever. But it's like at that era to be thinking in that entrepreneurial kind of way. That's kind of amazing ago. too. Yeah, the, the the genre got gypped, you know, with, with Biggie passing because what he would have done would have been, you know, it would have been magnificent greatness. And then from this point, you even see the culture is still obsessed with him. There's so many movies coming out. Johnny Depp is, is about to star in a movie called Labyrinth, and it's about um, Russell Poole, a detective who um, investigated right, who we've had on Street yeah. Soldiers. Yeah, yeah so right. he, he, that's a movie coming out. TBS is working on a series. Um, it's a comedy series loosely based on um, the life and rhymes of Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And yeah. then there's a documentary coming out. There's so much still coming. Still, still and, going. And it's not even just in hip hop culture, it's it entertainment. Mainstream, overall, mainstream entertainment because yeah. hip hop has become so mainstream that's right. too. Yeah. That's right. Would I mean, nobody was doing double albums back then. He was, was he like the first one to do double album? That's crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. You know, like he was really already setting barriers already. That's still like you know that's 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 still pushing existence today. No, definitely. Yeah. Gotta love that. Well, rest in rest in paradise, Biggie. Oh, of our PB. I love that. I like how you said paradise. I like that. I, I like, like that. that rest in rest in paradise, Biggie. And that's I want right. to thank all of you for being with us on this uh, episode of Street Soldiers. Uh, Miranda Johnson, multimedia hip hop journalist, the one and only Lil C's. Thank you so much for sharing uh, such personal it. personal thank things you. for us. We really appreciate uh, it. it. And DJ Enough, my brother, always a pleasure to have you. My love. And and I want to say this: I've been talking to a lot of people over the years about the murder of Biggie. As you know, I'm a news reporter too. If you have anything you want to tell me, you know I do not reveal my sources, even if I have to go to jail to protect them. That's word. And you can contact me. She don't play. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Lisa. I'm not playing. I'm, t I'm telling you right now, if you have anything you want to tell me, if you have any piece of information together, murder cases are never closed. And I think that when we really value somebody as quite clearly the world values Christopher Wallace, notorious B.I.G., his mother, Valletta Wallace, she deserves justice. His children, 
his family, they deserve justice too. So if you have any information you want to tell me in confidence, you can get a hold of me on Twitter, on Instagram. My email's on my Twitter. You can call me, you can hit me up on the streets, stop me on the streets, whatever, and I will definitely look into it. And I'm gonna continue looking into it. We've talked to Russell Poole on this show. We've talked to Valletta Wallace on the show. We've talked to many other people on this show and we'll continue to do it. And let's see justice for the family. That's really the way to honor Big Papa. So uh, thank everybody for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Remember, use your mind, it's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers, let's push for peace.